Today's podcast isn't sponsored by anyone, because apparently I have a bad attitude. Me, a bad attitude. I'll tell you who has a bad attitude, all of you. But that won't be a problem after I complete my plan for worldwide domination. Now, where did I put my to-do list? All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome yet again to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I, as always, am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ. And with me is my co-host... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ, as always, an absolute pleasure to be here. And we have a special guest this week, Peter. <gasps> a special guest? My favourite sort. Special guest. Not the special sort. Absolutely. <laughs> so our guest this week is John Dodd, um, who we've invited on to talk to us a bit about what it's like behind the scenes at a convention. Because I've never run a convention before. No, me but, neither. But John has been heavily involved with uh, Dragon Meat and with UK Games Expo in different roles in each. And he's going to talk to us a bit about what it's like on the other side of the, of the GM screen of convention organising. That was a good metaphor, wasn't it? Did you <laughs> like that? It was indeed. <laughs> it's, it seems solid for a role-playing game news podcast, absolutely. So, so, hi, John. Thanks so much for joining us. And good afternoon, gentlemen. How have you both been? Ah, pretty good, pretty good. Very well, thank you. Peter, what, what's caught your eye this week in, uh, in the world of RP? Well, it sounds like something, the thing that's definitely caught my eye this week would be something that's probably caught everybody's eye. Mm. Uh, it's like a Kickstarter that did, you know, moderately well. You know. Oh, so it's the thing uh, that I was going to say too. <laughs> I knew you did that. You did that last week as well with GM's Day. <laughs> I, I, it was my birthday. <laughs> I've got to notice GM's Day. What can I say? Um, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, probably the thing that I have really been enjoying this past week is something that i've actually enjoyed for some time before and maybe not a lot of people know about it it's a little comic strip called order of the stick which follows <laughs> the adventures yeah. of a dungeons and dragons uh theme. and it is you, awesome you, yeah. you old war horses can laugh if you like but there are people who will never have heard about it and they mm. have in front of them the unparalleled joy of reading the thousand plus comic strips which make up all the stick so you know mm -hmm. if you're if you're wondering about it um i just go google giant itp.com and click for an order stick and go from the first strip it's it's really good <laughs> do you want to for the for the people out there who don't know what it is I'm mm -hmm. sure there's, you know, like one person out there, maybe two. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to just quickly give a sort of elevator pitch what, what actually is Order of the Stick? Sure, no problem, mate. It's entirely done in a stickman style and follows the adventures of a D&D &D party. But what really sets Order of the Stick apart from pretty much most of the other role-playing game comics, of which there are many out there, is that the intensity of emotion that can be derived from a stick figure is not one that I ever really expected to see. <laughs> um the cavalier disregard for the fall is, again, not unique to the Order of Stick, but one which they handle particularly well. And I think also it's the fact that, say one thing for Rich Burrow, say he writes a cracking plot line and absolutely on point, blazingly sharp dialogue. It's, yeah, uh, I've, been, I've been a fan for years. Uh, it's a pleasure to read and reread. Yeah. So if you if you haven't read it before, then um, you should dive in and have a look. Uh, John, has anything caught your eye this week? Well, it would have to be the critical role. Okay, well, and, you uh, have that one then. You are the, you are the guest. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it, it would be the critical role. That's that's clearly a well. We Impressive. knew it was going to be successful, but uh, oh, my lord. 
astonishing, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's done a little bit better than we thought it might have done. <laughs> so, <laughs> at, at the moment, it's what approaching seven million dollars, I think, isn't yeah. it? Oh, and um, uh, I think it's on target to because it's, it's the tenth most popular Kickstarter ever at yes. the moment, with yes. like forty days left to go. Right. Thirty-eight days left over, and they've got five million three hundred forty-nine. I'm looking at it right now. Oh. Yeah, it, it's a phenomenal amount of money on it. It's incredible, and um, yeah, I think they've got a good chance of maybe the, the top one. I, I had a look the other day. The top one, the top Kickstarter ever, is a Pebble Watch one. Yes, and that, mm. that did twenty something million dollars. Mm. And then Pebble Watch have three in the top five. So Pebble Watch are doing really, really... I've never really paid any attention to Pebble Watch, so I wasn't really aware of this. But they've yeah. got three in the top five, um, two yeah. at 10 million wow. plus, and then a big one at 20 million. Interesting. So I am guessing that Critical Role's going to... I don't know if it will quite make the top one, but I reckon it's going to be... It's going to come in at number two, is my is my prediction. It's my guess. I, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I think it may actually make number one, because looking at it right now, it hasn't stopped going up while we've been watching. <laughs> I know that's it's quite literally counting up as we're I know, watching when you right see, now. When you can see those numbers ticking over, it's incredible. Yeah, uh, it's encouraging. It's it's really quite good that something like this has got mainstream attention, and yeah, it yeah, is no I, longer I, seen as something that's just on the sidelines. I remember oh. it was just a few years ago, maybe two years ago, three years ago, where people oh. were expressing amazement at Critical. Was that either Critical Role or Acquisitions Incorporated? One of the two oh. filling out a large theatre. Hmm. Ooh, which ooh. is obviously something that they do quite often these days, but about three mm. or four years ago, it happened, uh, I believe it was at Gen Con. Um, yeah. And everyone was amazed that so many people would pay to go and watch some other people play D&D live. <laughs> it's, it's a thing at conventions these days. We have the yeah. Dice Stormers, we have, the, we have a whole bunch of live shows. Yeah, and it's, it's the, the live aspect of it, the community of it, the idea that people around tables, not on headsets, quite ironically with us here, yeah. But um, mm-hmm. the idea of people round tables will have more fun because it's there, it's live, you can see every part of it. Yeah. Oh. And it's just something interesting because it's the, it, it's right there. Mm. And, yeah, and it's just and yeah. it's just growing, isn't it? Well, I mean, Critical yes. Role is just... Critical Role is the big daddy of them all, I suppose. Yes. And uh, Acquisitions yeah. Incorporated sort of is the next, is the next along. There are so many streaming shows now. Yes. But we should come on to that a little bit. Maybe we can return to that a little bit on the news segment. Um, Russ, what's caught your eye? Uh, well, I was looking at Joe Manganiello's um, Death Saves t-shirts. <laughs> nice. So, so, so Gary Corn happened uh, yeah. this weekend, and he's been there, and he's been hanging out with like uh, all the sort of D and D staff and uh, <laughs> other other people as well. Uh, Luke Gygax, yep. obviously, who runs runs the runs the show. And uh, he's been he's been giving them personalised Death Saves T-shirts like, mm. with their names sort of emblazoned on them and all the sort of gorgeous art that they have and all that sort of stuff. And they do look. I mean, I'm not I'm I'm not usually one to wear a, a T-shirt with pictures and logos on. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not my my sort of sartorial style, as it were. Mm. But they they do look awesome. They do look really good. Well, there was also some footage on him when he was actually he was running games there. Yeah. And it, it's it's a wonderful thing to see people who say, I, I run D&D, I play D&D, and yeah. then to see the, the live feeds coming up on Facebook of him running yeah. D&D. Yeah. Not, not dressed up, a, not make up, just there running a, the game. He's a proper super fan though, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he uh, is. he's, got, he's got a whole room dedicated to D&D in his house, I believe. Yes. <laughs> not that I'm stalking him or anything. It's, <laughs> I, saw, I, saw, I saw that on the internet. It, it seems to happen more and more frequently. I've yeah. a chap 
who organizes things over in um, the UK uh, for quite a lot of online stuff with Facebook, and he's got a whole room dedicated to D&D as well. Yeah. It's a mm. nice setup. I wish I could have a whole room dedicated to D&D, but that's really not happening in this house. <laughs> I, I think Sharon would rebel. <laughs> I, think she would, I don't think she'd approve, no. Um, <laughs> anyway, do you think we should get on with the news? Oh, go on then. I suppose if okay. we must. Yeah, we are a news podcast. Let's do it. So the big, yeah. the big, big news item obviously was Critical Role, and we kind of yeah, covered that now. But um, yeah, it's just absolutely astonishing, and I, I, I don't know why. I really want it to become number one. Don't make any difference to me, really. It doesn't affect me in any way. But I kind of, I'm really rooting for them to come, you know, in at number one on Kickstarter. Without doubt. I mean, yeah. The, the other thing about it being is that it, it removed things like technology that everyone's into anyway. Mm. and replace it with something that we love. Yeah. Which, yeah. that makes a big difference to me. Mm. Yeah. I think, um, was it was it last year, Wizards of the Coast, and they were, were they at Gama? Somewhere like that, where they had, um, they had a presentation where they said 50% of new player acquisitions in the mm. last year or so came mm. through via streaming. Yep. Like, Wouldn't that, be that, was, that, that was their gateway into, into the hobby. Yep. Yeah. And that's, they, that's, that's, that's massive, isn't it? Yeah. Well, people all look around, and it's like, if you can't find role players, if you're just like, what is this D&D thing? Mm. Then, yeah, having a look at a stream, and if you've got a four-hour attention span to watch it, then, yeah, more power to your elbow. But I think when you see a group of people who are obviously having a good time, mm. you kind of want, you want a bit of that, don't you? So you, you look at these people having a really good time playing D&D, and you think, that looks really good fun. They're clearly having a lot of fun. They're clearly enjoying themselves. Mm. I want a bit of that. And uh, that's, that's, you know, that's kind of like the, the I'd say gateway into the hobby. Yeah, it's how, how, they, how they get into it in the first place, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. Long time for since when I started. <laughs> 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 Playing in a spare classroom at school during the lunch break. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, a different time, man. Different time. A different, different time. Yeah. Yes. There was there was no internet. <laughs> I feel so old. <laughs> well, it's the way the world is these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, anything else in the news? Or loads just like of stuff. All the money and attention is being soaked up by Critical Role. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's loads of stuff. Uh, in, in the last week, it's, it's all been Critical Role. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, uh, Modifius have announced that they're going to be uh, distributing Grimmer Space. Yes. Which Ooh. was the star, the Starfinder? Yeah, Starfinder, isn't it? The Starfinder setting created by Sean Astin, mm. who's uh, Sam Ganji in Lord of the Rings. And originally, um, Wesley Snipes was involved. But he seems mm. to have dropped out because apparently they kept on sending his contract over to him and he uh-huh. never signed it and sent it back. Nah. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know what was going on there. Famous Hollywood person. He's probably too busy. I don't know. But it's um, it's a sci-fi horror setting for Starfinder. Oh, yes. interesting. Yeah. Okay. And that's been done by Modifius. So using the Starfinder system... Well, it's been it's been distributed by Modifius. It's, but it's been, been distributed oh. by Modifius. The the system itself has already been uh, they're using the Starfinder system. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the setting and everything else about it has been developed in conjunction with Sean Astin. Yeah, yeah. Where is he? Yeah, there's a, there's, there's a Kickstarter um, coming soon, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we've got Sean Astin. We've also got Roan Barton. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, of uh, was it INGM Games and Lou Agresta, who's a game designer and novelist and. Um, 
lots of any nominees and all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's something to keep Ooh. an eye out for later this year. Absolutely. Yeah. What was that? Grimmer Darkness, did you say? Uh, Grimmer Space. Grimmer Space. Grimmer Space. Yeah. It's one word. Grimmer Space. Oh, uh, very good. Mm. Right. Uh, so. Wizards of the Coast have a brand new game designer. Ooh, congratulations yeah. to them. Who's that? Uh, they have just hired Dan Dillon. Dan Dillon. Yeah, so he used to work over at Cobalt Press, and he oh. also does an awful lot of work on the Dungeon Masters Guild, doing oh. third-party things for Wizards of the Coast. I think the the previous game designer they was about a year ago. Um, who, who's, who did they who did they hire before? Um, I think it was a lady whose name I forget. Oh, Kate Welsh. Yes. So yeah. Um, yeah. So she she was the previous one. So he's now the newest person. Uh, he's oh. a really nice guy. I've um, I've been on a podcast with him once, Ooh. and I've like exchanged a couple of tweets with him. So I don't know him well, but my you know my initial interaction with him is a really really nice guy and he's been working with people like Rotinius Games and um, Christina Styles, uh, Paizo obviously and uh, now Cobalt Press and then Wizards of the Ghost uh, Russ always rubbing shoulders with celebrities well <laughs> not really <laughs> exchanging a tweet with is not quite <laughs> well given values given values man yeah. Uh, yeah yeah oh well congratulations to Dan Dillon well done mm. um, I'm looking forward to seeing what new stuff he uh, is unleashed upon Right. So, uh, what else we've got? Oh, we have more Modiphius news. Hello! Mm-hmm. Fallout! Fallout? Oh. Yes. It's Fallout. like a thousand fanboys all perked yeah, at Fallout, the which sadly I have to admit I don't know anything about. Oh, well, it's, it's a basically. video game, I believe, isn't it? It, it yeah. is a video game, yes. Yeah, so I've never it. played it. I, I, I barely play video games. Video games are basically my, my blind spot. Okay. And it could uh, be described as at least reasonably successful. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyone, anyone want to educate me? Tell me, what, what is it? Is it post-apoc, is it? Uh, John, it sounds like you've got a much better handle on this than I do. <laughs> um, it, it is post-apocalyptic. Um, it, it, I mean, the latest one, uh, Fallout 76, obviously, is... Mm. It is doing really well. They've finally got all the, the bugs out of the system and everything else, which mm-hmm. it, it always happens. These things are as, as they are. The trouble with video games is obviously you've released it and then you've got to re-release everything else every time someone finds something wrong with it. Right. Um, mm. But, yeah, well, the, the joyous thing with the role-playing game is obviously when it's out, it's down to you to make the story and there it is. But it is a post-apocalyptic setting. Um, very popular. Very, yes. very popular. I do not play it myself. Um, I don't have the time. No, that's basically and, the and the one thing these things are is a is a massive sink of time. Mm. Um, yes. If if you're playing it, the, the campaigns are hours, weeks long. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's fully immersive. It's yeah, you, you, lots, you, lots you lose yourself. I, I, yeah. I'm still working my way through GTA Five. Put it that way. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I've, I've got three quarters of the way through. I think. 2010 called once it's game back. Yes, exactly, um, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, and another thing about Fallout, which makes it quite suitable for a tabletop conversion, is it's always had a very strong RPG element. Mm. There's always been explicitly stats and skills and perks which you can choose to make yourself better. So, you know, um, I'm only surprised it's not happened before. Hmm. Well, so this one is um, using the 2D20 system, which is Modifius's in-house yeah. system, which powers mm-hmm. Star Trek Adventures and you know, yeah. Infinity and all sorts of different games, Conan yeah. um, and things like that. Um, roll, yep. roll equal to or under, I think, and uh, lots of doom and momentum and so yeah, forth. It's, yeah. yeah, it's got a, a meta currency in there as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. we have more news. 
Even more news? We have more news. Can you believe it? We have more RPG news. Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Yes. Yes. All right, I'm not announcing that they're making a 2nd Edition. (laughs) But everyone knows that now. Uh, But what they have done is um, reveal some information about the actual release this this August Mm -hmm. and what that's going to involve. Um, So it's coming out at Gen Con, as as we already knew. Uh, So there's going to be a Pathfinder core rulebook 600 pages. Yeah. Wow. That's a, you know, that's a, that's a doorstop. It's mm. large. It's larger than the previous ones. Yeah. 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 It's a, that's a, that's a biggie. And that's not even including the bestiary, which is a separate hardcover. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Because I was, I was originally when they said 600 pages, I thought, well, yeah, if you compare that to like D and D, you've got mm. three hardcovers yeah. and you combine them together. It's roughly the same size. And, so we're just putting them all into the one but no the, the best three separate so oh. so big old big old book that um, yeah. they've got uh, an adventure path coming called Age of Ashes mm-hmm. uh, with the first adventure being uh, released in August at Gen Con right. a standalone adventure called The Fall of Plaguestone also being released then okay uh, a setting guide called The Lost Omens World Guide I'm not 100% clear what that is I think that's that's still set in their Galarian default setting, I assume. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they've got the usual sort of GM screen, uh, initiative tracker, combat pad thing, um, oh, character yeah. sheets, condition cards, all that sort of uh, all that sort of stuff. Because they always plays are always good at releasing all sorts of different accessories and yeah. things like that to go with your game. Uh, Solid use of paraphernalia. Yeah, yeah. So they're all going to be available August the 1st, and there's going to be some deluxe editions with this uh, red embossed faux leather cover. Looks quite exciting. It's always always the weather, isn't it? If you can release something, release something special. Yeah. Is is there anything else in the news, Russ? There is other things in the news. Good grief. What a week for news (laughs) is being. So uh, Deborah Ann Walls, Relics and Rarities Show. Do you remember oh, we yeah, mentioned yeah. that a few weeks ago? Mm. Yeah, we, um, we it were was... discussing who was going to sign up to go and see it. Well, <laughs> the good news is the first episode yes. is yes. available for free on YouTube. Ooh. So you can go oh, and watch it go. right now without plonking down a penny. Okay, I can go watch yeah. it right now. Well, we're back in, we're we're back maybe not right now. <laughs> oh, um, I've watched the first half of it mm-hmm. and I really liked it. Mm. I wasn't sure whether I would or not because I wasn't 100% sure what it was. Mm. So I really liked what, what I've seen so far and then go back and watch the end of it. And it's definitely got some decent, you know, it's got some good feedback sort of on the message mm. boards and things like that. So it looks like, yeah. It, it, it looked interesting, but... Yeah. She's really good. She's a really good game master. She's like... And that, well, I, suppose, yeah. I suppose actors tend to be, though, I suppose, because it's mm. part and parcel. There's, there's a big overlap, isn't there, in skill sets? Yeah. Okay. You don't think? I think there can be. Um, uh, I think there can be, but I think the, the lack of script when it comes to actually running a game and the mm. fact that you, you don't have the pre-assigned roles to it, yeah. and anything at all can happen, frequently does. Mm. Yep. Uh, and as a result, it, it's, I don't know, closer to improvisational theatre rather than actually yeah. acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. You have a role, but... It is not determined as to what that role actually ends up sure, doing. Sure, yeah. And you're also very dependent upon the players that you have as well. Um, yes. I don't know, I quite liked. Uh, they've got yes. a mix of comedy actors and directors. So I was thinking, well, um, every time I've seen a comedy actor take on a serious role, 
they've actually turned out to be rather good. I'm yeah. thinking specifically of Jim Carrey mm. here, mm. Um, who in Internal Sunshine swapped the swine, which still, after all these years, just blow, blows me away with how well he was able to do that. So, mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like yeah. A, yeah. strong cast, uh, strong lead. Um, yeah, I, I'll definitely see if I can um, get us to watch that on uh, the old YouTubes. Mm. So, uh, Wizards of the Coast are considering changing the uh, format of their mini stat blocks. They're mini stat blocks. You know when they'll say in a adventure they'll sort of have um, you know Fireface Muck Dragon, and then in mm-hmm. brackets then it will say Lawful Good Female Mount uh, Female Mountain Dwarf Knight or something. Mm-hmm. When, okay, it's like I... buried, when it's buried in the text, that's that's the sort of standard way they they present it. Okay, yeah, I can't I can't say I've ever really noticed, but it sounds yeah. I think I think it's kind of something you're not really supposed to notice. It's, uh, yeah. Mm-mm. But they're, they're kind of thinking of dispensing, according to Chris Perkins, at least, who's um, mm-hmm. one of the lead designers over at Wizards. And they're thinking of dispensing that and writing it all out just in natural language sentence form, like using no abbreviations or anything like that. So they'd sort of say, Borf is a chaotic, neutral, non-binary, shield dwarf berserker with dark vision out to a range of 60 feet. Like a sentence, rather than a... Okay. Okay, well, I, I can see why you do it. Um mm. It, it, obviously more narrative and approach, but at the same time, if, if all you're actually after is exactly what that thing does... Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, of, I'm of two minds about it. Um, I think mm. it looks nicer, written out as a sentence. Oh, without a doubt, but... Uh, but, yeah, I don't. Yeah. it's not quite so easy to pick out the information you need. Mm. Yeah, um, I don't know, it's, it's interesting. Like, they moved away from doing um, sort of those sort of pre those like little pot boiler texts in Dungeons and Mad Mage which mm-hmm. described each area. So now they're sort of like taking that out of the but they also seem to be taking out like the actual stat blocks. I'm not Well it's gonna be I'm interesting to see sure if Ghost of Saltmarsh has that boiler text, read it out text back or mm. not. Mm. Be interesting to see. I suspect it will have. Mm. Definitely uh, to look out for. Yeah. I think we're coming to the end of the news now though. Breathe a sigh of relief. Um, a sneak peek at some Ghosts of Saltmarsh maps, which I'll stick a link to in the show notes, because um, obviously that's a visual thing, and you can't really do that on a podcast. Um, we've, <laughs> got a, we've got a nice big colour map of the area and some uh, sort of uh, ship deck maps from mm. uh, Dyson Logos, who's one of the cartographers of the book. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they came off the Twitch stream, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, pretty much what you'd expect from a... Uh, coastal adventure you have a picture of coastline um locations numbered looks right what about 30 odd mm. um with like a little island and then you've got like sort of a i presume that is the salt marsh off to the left coast mm. off to the right and then sort of a thin strip of land and a village where things will presumably be occurring mm. um different different levels of terrain a scale like what's that two thousand feet so it's like what about one, two, three, four, just like five miles by three miles. So you've got like fifteen square miles or so of um, setting to have a play round in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that underutilized talent describing a map on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite the medium for it, is it? But you know, people oh, can check out, people can check out the show notes and follow the link and have a have a proper proper squeeze at it that way. Absolutely, yeah, it looks interesting. Um, oh, I've got some news about my stuff. Yeah, some self-promotion. Um, uh, so you shocking. know my Galactic Sentience catalogue I said last week was about to go out? Mm-hmm. Okay. It has what gone out. Hey! Uh, so, yeah, the Galactic Sentience catalogue, the book of races for the What's All His New System. Book oh, of um, yes. alien races. And also <laughs> all the Judge Dread Kickstarters 
Um, mm-hmm. Rewards are arriving, and people keep tweeting me with pictures of Kickstarter rewards. Are, are they very pleased to see the <laughs> things you sent them in the post for us? Well, so far <laughs> they have been, yes. Marvellous, marvellous. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just so so glad these things are arriving, and I just can't wait to you know see people playing it. Excellent mm. stuff. Excellent stuff. Right, I think that is now it for the news. Marvellous. So there was this uh, new segment I wanted to quickly try out because um, yes, I whacked over in the Patreon. Mm-hmm. So we have 21 patrons at the moment. And uh, I asked those 21 patrons whether they wanted to ask us a question. And we would attempt to answer their questions on the podcast. I didn't know what questions I'd get. Yes. I don't know whether we'll be qualified to answer them. But I thought... Massively, woefully underqualified. I'm what sure. is the worst that could happen? <laughs> Indeed. And it's just a little way to sort of say thanks to our patrons just for, you know, supporting us with, say, a dollar a dollar a month or whatever, just to, you know, buy us a cup of coffee a month or something, because it does cost us money to run this podcast. And We're away from being able to afford coffee, Russ. But, well, that um, is true. <laughs> <laughs> or in but, squash. But I, I appreciate the generosity anyway. Um, yeah, John, would you be so good as to help us out with answering some of these questions? Of course, no problem It's so only th- so three very oh, quick ones. So uh, we're going to start with number one. From our good friend Shane Plays, long-time listener of the podcast, uh-huh. uh, he has asked, uh, what's an RPG or sourcebook for an existing RPG you're surprised no one has ever officially published? So here we're looking at something that's never been published but would be something that you'd think about wanting to see i know what i think mm. harry mm. potter mm. wow that's, for that's D&D? a good one to with um maybe not for dnd i don't know whether <laughs> for dnd but yeah. <laughs> well maybe i don't know um well, I've, got, I've got a chap down the club running a mad mashup of harry potter meets magic the gathering mm. oh yeah in what, what yeah. system i believe at one point it was fifth edition yeah but time and things from the internet have mutated it into what i can more accurately described as a D20 related system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, the thing, with, the thing with Harry Potter is I think a lot of people have wanted to make Harry Potter RPGs, but every time J.K. Oh. Rowling's been approached about the subject, she's never been interested. Mm. But in, no, not happening. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure why. Mm. I'd, I think it, it puts... Well, because the source material is so widely known, because mm. it's so well ingrained, there's mm. only certain things you can do with it. Mm. And and the second you step outside the the the, the official background, the canon, mm. you you're into the realms of doing things that you could do with any system at all. Sure. Mm. I mean, I'd argue the same holds true of Star Wars, though, or any other you know big licensed property. It absolutely does. But the difference with those is that they've already got a massive, massive universe. Yeah. Millions of millions of planets, starships, faster than light travel, anywhere yeah. you want to go. So, so it's more of a narrative <sighs> issue, really. In the um, the Harry Potter world, is more of a, a much smaller narrative. Yeah. In mm. in, a, in, a, in a sort of geographic sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's it's phenomenal things, but it, it's where do you go with it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You, know, you you could start out as a living campaign, start off in the first year, mm-hmm. and then move all the way through until you graduate. Absolutely, mm. no problem at all. But you then have to find a story that's as compelling as the actual story, mm. and not everyone can be the chosen one. Yeah, that is true. That is true. It is very much based around it. Well, I suppose there's the spin-offs. What's the crimes of Grindelwald? What's that? 
Fantastic uh, Monsters. That's a prequel. Yeah. Uh, Grindelwald being a pre-Voldemort big bad guy. I, I don't know lots about it, but no, he was like, I, there was a big... Nope, I, I know it, absolutely nothing about it. No, no, I haven't seen it either, I, so I, I can't... I, 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 as I understand it, it's like, it's sort of the magical war that was sort of running parallel to the World Wars, mm-hmm. or the Second World War. Um, and he was like some European wizard of some description, but that, that, that's about as far as I know. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, that's more than I know so there we go yeah. um, so anyway yeah so hopefully Shane hopefully that answered your question mm. well that, that, that certainly won well uh, I, I, I thought we'd, we'd each have a go at this oh we? go on then go on yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well uh, I, I was quite I, I was going to say something like the Starship Troopers by Robert A. Heinlein because I'm a big Heinlein fan I really like his books mm-hmm. um, but then when I looked I found out that actually there is a yep. Starship Troopers yeah. RPG Yes, uh, there is. Two thousand five. Oh, yeah. Um, I might have missed that. So I'd like to change my uh, answer in a stunning display of um, quick, fit, quick-witted, uh, smooth-talking, dancing around the subject to the Number of the Beast, which is also a book by Heinlein, uh, which mm-hmm. consists of multi-dimensional travel, uh, which can go from anywhere in the known universe to um, anywhere in parallel dimensions and all the way down a sort of a fictional timeline as well. Mm. Um, so I think in terms of like sliding around that could be an excellent setting to explore okay Mm. well for me it would have to be Vin Diesel's uh, multiverse when it comes to the the Riddick Mm. universe oh yes I'm more surprised why that's never actually seen because he is obviously a great fan now Clearly, he's more mm. occupied with things that bring in billions of pounds, but at the same time, <laughs> it's always been something he said it's been written up, it's mm. ready to go, all he has to do is actually mm. publish it. Mm. Okay. Um, and I'd, I'd, some part of me wonders why it never has come to pass. It's probably just time and Fast and Furious and all that sort mm. of stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that, that would certainly, I think, be something that would be very interesting to see, because I actually quite like the Chronicles of Reddit. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. Uh, I um, so I, I hope that answers your question, Shane. Uh, if it doesn't, I'm sure he'll let us know all about it on our Discord. Uh, so Todd Chambery, yes, he wants to know. I haven't heard you guys mention anything about my favourite RPG, Dungeon Crawl Classics. Have you played it? What did you think? Well, for DCC, me, that's quite sure. Yeah, yeah. DCC, <laughs> DCC is very good. Yeah. I, I haven't played it, unfortunately. I can't. I can't huh? comment. Oh. But. Yeah, you, you really should rest. Maybe yeah. I'll uh, come over mm. on some Thursday and run it for you. Mm. Yeah, it's part of the OSR movement, yep. which has received a bit of flack due to the controversial creator that's associated with one small part of that product line. Yes. But then Crawl Classics is, yeah, it's um, very OSR. It gives you all sorts of opportunity to explore like the weird gonzo appendix end sort of role-playing um, and is most famous for things like having a funnel at level zero. Mm, yeah, so I'm like, familiar with that. Yeah, I think that's quite yeah. a good idea. Yeah, you, you get five characters and they try and whoever survives the uh, horrendous death traps, they get to level up to level one. And then whoever survives that will, um, well, we don't know. No one's ever managed to make it to level two. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. uh, have you played it, John? Yes, I have. Uh, I've played it a number of times. As, uh, as we say, the, the scenarios are extremely lethal. Mm. Uh, Tomb of Horrors level of lethal, which... Um, yeah. On the one hand, it's brilliant. If you're into that sort of play, it's it's fantastic. If you're into more of a, okay, we'll start, we know we're not very good, and we'll get a chance to get better. Mm. If you're used to that, it's going to come as a hell of a shock. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I think I do need to give that a shot. 
Mm. Yeah, going from zero to hero is not really that much of an option because even at your higher levels, you are still relatively low powered compared to yep. fifth edition Dungeon Dragons. Yeah. Yes. So is it is it sort of based uh, DCC? Is it sort of similar to sort of first edition or OD&D? Uh, yes, or? If yes, you play it is. second edition, I understand it's very very similar. It's um, almost yeah, it's almost identical. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, it's it's very good though. I mean, it, it's certainly getting more interest in conventions. The way I always see things is how many people want to play it at conventions, how many people are offering it at conventions, and in this particular case, DCC is getting a lot more interest now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're planning on doing tournaments and multi-option, multi-scenario systems and everything else which uh, yeah I, I think is going to be very interesting if it keeps on going the way it is mm. oh there we go well Todd Todd Chambery two of us have played the game one of us has not but the one that has not is going to now there we go there we go there we go he's been talked Excellent into it work. by the other two who's who <laughs> it, managed to sell it sell it so well that it sounds awesome and I definitely definitely want to play it we had to twist his arm super hard. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, it's not that hard to get me to want to play an RPG <laughs> You know, low bar here. <laughs> Trying to get me to play football, that's a little more difficult. Whoa. <laughs> From a long-time Patreon supporter, I think he was one of our first, if not our first, um, um, Bernie Monsanto. Ah, Daddy Warbucks, as I like to call him. Uh, um, yes. He wants to know, what would you say is your best critical success and critical fail in all the role-playing games you have ever played? Hmm. Hmm. Difficult one. That is tricky. 35 years of interesting memories. <laughs> yep. No. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you my worst, right? My critical fail is yeah. when I was younger, probably in my teens. Mm-hmm. So, so not that long ago. <laughs> um, when, I was, when I was younger, um, I used to think it was important to punish players for missing sessions. <laughs> it is important to punish players for missing <laughs> sessions. Which is definitely a thing that I do not do anymore. Because I, I, I came to the realisation it's also important that my players enjoy the game. Which, yeah. <laughs> but, but they can only enjoy the game if they are there. Well, that is, that is certainly true. That is that true. That is true, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so go on, Russ. Tell us more about your uh, Oh no, I was I was I was super strict about if I this is this is terrible. This is terrible. So um, it's all coming out now, go on. So not get it off your chest, man. So someone who missed a session obviously wouldn't get XP for that session. Which is okay, yeah. kind mm-hmm. of fair enough. I mean, um, it means they start falling behind and stuff, which is could be problematic, mm. but whatever. But mm. what I would do, and I am deeply ashamed of it, if someone had missed a session, I would make sure that session was a much more XP-heavy session just to punish the person that missed it. <laughs> <laughs> which is terrible. And I would never oh. do that now. But <laughs> 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 to be fair, I was like 13 or something, and I don't know what to tell you. He asked, for, oh, he asked for a critical fail. That was my critical fail. And I think Dork Tower covered it at least two or three times where the character got killed by wombats. So <laughs> I, I, I think you're not being entirely unfair there. So. Uh, having your character killed off screen is unfortunate, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, cracky. What about you guys? Um, I, I think probably my most interesting critical success was actually playing a game of Mage quite recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and... For various reasons, it had all gone sideways, as happens in Mage, um, and there was like a bridge between uh, sort of the regular world and the supernatural world, or the supernatural world, and connecting the two. And I was like, but I don't want to connect the two. I'd like to make the bridge go somewhere else. 
and um, the DM sighs, rolls his eyes, and says, "Fine." But you're going to need like five sixes. I've got two dice. Yeah. So if you roll tens, they explode, which means you can roll them again. They mm-hmm. keep rolling until you run out of tens. Yeah. So I got five successes off two dice. That was that was fortunate. Less fortunate for the world has managed to break all of magic within it. Excellent. But, you know, quite quite frankly, I thought mages were all very dangerous people. So even if there were more vampires and so forth, it was probably for the best. That was probably my critical success. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and the critical failure I probably most enjoyed was I was DMing a game. And I had gone so right down to the wire, like four out of six party members were busy doing their best bleeding as fast as they could impression on the floor. The fight, we had a barbarian who had discarded his axes and was like literally trying to punch a skeleton to death. And there was a bard <laughs> who had a torch who was fighting a zombie. And zombies in 5th edition D&D, they get knocked down and they get up again. Um, and it was basically almost impossible for them to take this guy down permanently. So um, he hit him, took, it down, took the zombie down to zero. I'm like, oh, I need to roll a two plus to get this zombie back on its feet. This is not good. I rolled a one. Oh, dear. So that... Help change it around from what was looking to be an embarrassing TPK situation into a, oh, and you get to live. And of course, I'm rolling the dice in front of the screen, because that's how I roll. Um, so they could all see uh, that. And that was, yeah, that, w- that was a jolly good time, I felt. Excellent. Mm. What about you, John? Yeah. Critical success? Critical fail? Uh, the best critical success I've um, ever seen wasn't in one of my games. Okay. The um, I've run another convention called Longcon where you you play one game for forty eight hours mm. um, wow. across okay. the entire weekend. Basically, you've got as many hours as you want to try and finish it in that time. And yeah. the group of players, this was twenty sixteen, and they were playing the Dracula dossier. Mm. They'd been preparing for the game. They'd played for about six months prior, and they were finishing it at Longcon. Mm. And I walked in at the end of the convention. This was five o'clock on the Sunday afternoon, and yeah. The group was somewhat decimated. Now, I can't, I can't give any, any spoilers away at this point in time, but one of the players had become a vampire in order to achieve something. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. But then had lost control to the Red Thirst uh-huh. and had managed to wipe out two of the other players. Excellent. So they were single digits, hit points both, one roll. Either the player character who's still on the right side wins... Right and darkness is defeated, or the vampire wins, and it's all been for nothing. Mm. And the good guy won. Mm. The entire table stopped, breathed, went outside for a smoke. (laughs) (laughs) Even the ones that didn't smoke. (laughs) Exactly. And and that that was brilliant. Just to see people who've been playing 30 years, and they're so into it. They were all round the table, they're all stood up, they're all fists on the table those moments are amazing aren't they they really are it's those moments that make all the difference Um, critical fail well there's been a few of those Um, (laughs) uh, however I I would have to say paranoia plasma generator and uh, my good friend Joel Musgrave if he's listening who can't roll anything apart from blow the damn thing up (laughs) every time he got hold of one the first thing he did first time he rolled it every time boom (laughs) so we started running to the point where we just we just ran ahead of him and went nope 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 you're not having it Oh, paranoia. No plasma generators. Yeah. No plasma generators for you. <laughs> yeah, long, long time since I've played Paranoia. I've got to play that yeah. again sometime soon, I think. <laughs> Who's doing it now? Is it, Mongo- is it Mongoose now? Paranoia? 
Uh, well, Mongers, yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, the new Ultraviolet Edition, James Wallace. Mm. Uh, very lovely. Uh, I have to say, it, 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 a little bit late, but superb product when it was finished. Mm. Um, down to the whole, you get the pack of forms that you have to fill in as players. <laughs> So everything your your investigator has to fill in is actually there as a form, Excellent. and your character sheets come as dry wipe, so you can just tell them which clone you're on. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's brilliant. Okay. That's like indeed. Well, there we go. So that is our best critical successes and critical fails. So thank you, Bernie oh, yeah. Monsanto, for asking that question. If anyone else wants their questions asked? Head on over to our Patreon. You need to be a patron. Uh, that is only you can do that for as little as a dollar a month. Or you could do it for as much as you like. The more, the better, because, you know, we like eating and stuff. And um, so head on over to patreon.com forward slash Morris, uh, where you'll find our Patreon. And uh, if, if you are a patron, you can ask us a question and we will get to it as best we can. Prisoner, how do you please? Not guilty, your worshipfulness. You have been charged with the grievous and downright disgusting crime of grave robbing. Grave robbing? I was just adventuring your splendidness. You approached a grave in the dead of night, foully murdered two mourners, and broke into the deceased's crypt. You mean those two goblin guards? Yeah, that's what I mean, your highness. That's what adventuring is. You then crept into the final resting place of the recently past deliberately circumventing the reasonable security measures the family had put in place. You mean the spike traps and the lava pit of ferocious fire piranhas, your grandness? Yes, and then you ventured deeper into the tomb and stole a sentimental family heirloom. Oh, that was just Excalibur 14, your grace. It's a, it's a plus five holy avenger, you know. Then, having slain the poorly deceased mourners, broken into the dearly departed's grave, and robbed the family of their treasures, you still have the goal to plead not guilty? Well, yes, your lordship. I mean, I'm an adventurer. That's what we do. <sighs> I find you guilty of murder most foul, desecration of a holy resting place, and burglary most wicked. Have you any last words before sentence is passed? I guess it's a fair cop, Gov. Is it time to play our favourite game in all it the world? It is ever? time to play our favourite ah. game in all the world. The game where I tell you the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the title. Oh, let's put these D10 away then. Have, have, you, have you heard of this world oh. famous game, John? Well, I, I have heard of it, but um, I, oh, I, you, I have to you, ask on the rules. The, is it always a game? <laughs> <laughs> well, the rules are quite simple. I read out the name of a Kickstarter title. Yes. Uh, you do your best to guess what that Kickstarter is from just the title. And then I give you a very accurate and highly scientific score. And then we just see who wins each week. Okay. I've talked as a spreadsheet and everything. It's very exciting. Yes. Um, <laughs> so um, should we do two each then? Oh, yes, please. To each. Do you want to start, Peter? Then John can see how it goes. I'd love to start. Okay, yes. then. So, your one. What yeah. is Comrades? Ooh. I think Comrades is a game about revolutions. Um, I'm hoping for some sort of socialist ones. And what the hell? Let's have it be Powered by the Apocalypse. Mm, 1920s to 1940s Russia. And you're like, you're there, leading a revolution somewhere. Have you definitely not seen this? That what? is spot on. That is, 
even oh. down to the game system. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wait, no, I said Power by the Apocalypse, yeah. not fake. Power by so, the yeah, Apocalypse. So, Conrad's a revolutionary RPG, a tabletop yeah. role-playing game about life in the revolutionary underground, where a roll of the dice can change the world. Uh, <laughs> Power by the Apocalypse, <laughs> it's a core rule book for an RPG. I don't know how you did that. You got that spot on. Ten points out of ten there, Peter. Well, well thank you. It is basically because I couldn't think what else Conrad's could possibly be. No? Mm. Well like, done. it wasn't going to be a fifth dead... It wasn't going to be a fifth dead conversion. Yeah. So you can, you can play characters such as the soldier, the student, yeah. the propagandist, mm-hmm. and the worker. And you can mount rallies, stage coups, evade the secret police, and fight fascist goons. Fantastic. All the best stuff. Sign me up. Yeah. That looks quite good yeah. fun, actually. I like the, I like the look at that one. Mm. Well, there you go. 10 That's out of 10. Wow. Well, oh, thank you very much. Peter yeah. takes an early lead. Yeah, I, in, in fairness, John, that, I, I just got unusually lucky there. <laughs> I normally like... We we over to left field. Well, it's it's, it's, it's John's turn now. Let's see if he, let's see if he can catch up. Okay, John, are you mm-hmm. ready? So this um, one is called Jinkies. Jinkies, the role playing game, and I'll spell that for you: J I N K I E S with an exclamation mark at the end. As per the Scooby Doo of the aforementioned, I'm guessing. Maybe. Well, let's have a look. So we'll presume an independent system, minimal stats, and. Something along the lines of those damn kids from the 1980s, I would have thought. Hmm. Um, but obviously, Jinkies, it's... Well, I'd, I'd like to say it's the official Scooby-Doo role-playing game, given that they've used that particular word, but uh, I'm pretty sure that the, uh, the the copyright on that may have lapsed. But I would have thought something along those lines where you're paying kids from the 1980s riffing on the Stranger Things notion of things. Um... And I'm, I'm resisting the temptation to type into Kickstarter at the moment, so go ahead, tell me how I'm doing. <laughs> um, that is two in a row where you've both nailed it completely. This is mm. this uh, this never happens, by the way. <laughs> yeah, this is unusual. <laughs> this is unusual. So this, that is exactly what it is. It is a role-playing game about solving a mystery with the gang. Animated mm. hijinks, talking animals, and plenty of groovy snacks. Based on the mystery adventure cartoons of the 1970s, like Scooby-Doo, Jabberjaw, or Josie and the Pussycats. Hmm. Well, well, there we go. There we go. So, a level peg in there, 10 each. 10 points each out of 10. Mm -hmm. Well played, John. Well played. How are we going to resolve this? Rock, paper, Um, scissors. (laughs) How about a tiebreaker? (laughs) First one to answer. (laughs) I've got got one more here. All right. Terry Bancor's Spellmonger. Is it about someone who sells spells? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, well there, there, there I go then. Well, well, I don't think it's a very good name if you're going to call it Spellmonger and no one is selling spells. Uh, I, don't know what yeah. I didn't write it. I'm just, I'm just a messenger. <laughs> well, I'll shoot you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what was the name of the, the writer again? Terry Mancour, M-A-N-C-O-U-R. New York Times, isn't it? Bestseller. I've, um, never, read, I've never read the books. Media. Oh, but but I, I, I write fantasy, so yeah. No, nope, I know nothing about the books, unfortunately. So nope, you've got me as well. Okay, well, um, so Terry Mancor's Spellmonger series is being brought to the Pathfinder RPG and D and D Fifth Edition. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, it's produced by Battle Press, Battlefield Press. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. It's a tale of a human mage descended mm-hmm. from space colonists. Set amid a <laughs> fantasy war. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, please continue. I'm listening. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, there we go. A uh, one night, Minela, Minelan is forced to pick up his mage blade again to defend his adopted home from the vanguard of an army of goblins bent on a genocidal crusade against all mankind. And this is mm. the sci-fi setting where he's sending from sci-fi colonists, but then he's fighting goblins with his mage blade. Yes. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Well, well, I've, I've never heard of say, it before either, but no. um, yeah. seems like yeah, the, the novels, that the novels are popular. So. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Right, so um, I, I, okay. I think we should probably call that an actual. I think that's draw. an actual yeah. draw, there, isn't it? I, I think that's a draw. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 well played, John. I'm, I'm genuinely <laughs> not. <that>, so. <laughs> right. I think it's probably time that we started talking about John. But, mm. Oh yes, that. That's why we've invited ah. him here. Well, more specifically about conventions and the conventions he's mm. involved with. Yes, indeed. Mm. Well, yeah. um, I, I currently... Well, let's have a look. I'm part of the UK Games Expo senior staff team. Mm. So um, yeah. on the day, I'm the RPG manager and the floor manager. That we now call it front of house. Um, mm. So in the run-up to it, I, I organise all the RPGs there mm. and... On the day, I, I make sure any problems that go on in the NEC uh, mm. are taken care of before they get to the directors, mm. and then that's how that works. Uh, I'm the co-owner of Dragon Meat, uh, having just come to that one earlier last year. That's um, along with uh, Modifius, uh, isn't it? Chris Birch's. That's the one, yeah. along with Chris Birch, that's yeah, the one, no yeah. problem at all. Chris asked me to come on board um, five years ago when he first took it over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've been building it since then to what it is at the moment. Mm. Um, and last year, Jonathan, the other partner in the group, decided he wanted to go away and do something else yeah. so I bought his shares and we moved from there I help with the RPGs at Aircon which was this weekend just gone uh, it's a large convention up in Harrogate mm. uh, going from strength to strength it's doing oh. really well uh, and I organise a, a convention of my own which is Longcon which is devoted to the mm. art of the long games mm. where you literally have one game across the entire weekend wow. and oh. yeah it, the idea is to get back to the times where I, I don't know about you two but when I was younger and had far more time available and far less commitments to that time, mm. you'd get together with friends as often as you could, and sometimes you'd get the whole weekend and just play games all weekend. I've done, I've done a 24-hour game once. Yep. Which, uh, it's tiring. <laughs> yep. It starts yep. to slow down towards the sort of, like, uh, yeah. 16th hour, and then you sit there thinking, can I do this for another 10 hours? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the difference behind that one is that when you're when you're working in um, four-hour slots, which most conventions do, mm. you you've got to get different games. You've got to have the time prepared in between them. You've got to do all the other mm. stuff, which it's exhausting for a lot of people. Mm. So not many people do all the different slots. Whereas with Longcon, the idea is well, you don't have to prepare for anything else. You just go. It's this one game. Yeah. So it becomes a lot more relaxed, even though you're doing far more hours. Mm. It's the same players, it's the same game, and you can have a lot more... It's it's much more immersive as a result, because you've got the time to go through things, rather than having to rush from one end of the scenario to the other. Mm. So... And, um, yeah, in a nutshell, that's that's what I do. There's there's other conventions I help, but... um, I, I can be here so, a very so, long time listing them. <laughs> so, 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 Dragon Meat. That's uh, that's what's the the Hammersmith Novotel in London. That is Hammersmith Novotel. Uh, this year, yeah, we've pretty much got the entire hotel. So, we we've oh, moved it up again and again because we were we were nearly on the limit last year. Yeah, and I was I was, I was there um, in December. It's a great little mm. show. That I really it is. There's, there's, mm. there's something really spot on about the atmosphere at that one. 
yeah, iOS, it's, right? It's intense. Yeah. I mean, the, the trouble is behind is it's in London, so moving it to mm. a multi-day event, mm. you've, you've either got money to burn, which we don't, or you've already managed to build the audience that goes to it because most conventions you've, you've got to be aware of the area that you're in yeah. as well as what you're doing with a multi-day mm. convention if, you, if you're doing a multi-day convention you've got to have something different on every day mm. and it's mm-hmm. got to be something interesting every day mm. mm-hmm. and at the moment we're doing very well as a one-day convention but we're not yeah. quite ready especially in London you're asking people to pay London prices to stay over yeah yeah. It's a big thing. I mean, I'm, I'm in Southampton, yeah. so I, po- I head up on the train and back in the same day to, yep, to do pretty much. Me. That's um, what most people do, yeah. But it's a good day, though. I mean, I think one day yeah. is a, kind of feels right for it, at least from my yeah. point of view. Oh, yeah, so. yeah I, I've been along, I think when it was in South Kensington, at the yep. Town Hall. That, that was very... Loads of fun there. UK Games Expo, that's over in Birmingham. Yes, it is. We're now at the yeah. NEC. We're... Well, Hall 1 and 2, uh, and I cannot confirm at present, but it may be more than that this year. God, I was there last year, and it's just growing so much, like visibly, yeah. in front of your eyes every year. It's astonishing, that yep. one. Yeah. We've been uh, averaging 40 to 50% growth most years. Wow. I actually had no idea that there was an RPG stream at UK really? Games Expo. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's like all the people I know who've been telling me about it are all dedicated board oh, games. Oh, is it? Yeah, like, yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. lot of board games. All the yeah. board games you like. Yeah. I'm like, yep. that's nice. Yeah. Uh, yep, there is, but there is. it's also presently, uh, with the demise of contingency, uh, not contingency, um, Conception. compulsion yeah, some years ago, um, oh. there, there's oh, yeah, a number yeah. of other conventions. Um, we now average 450, 500 games across the weekend. Mm. Ooh. Uh, but they're all good. held in the Hilton. Yeah. Ah, okay. So this, if you go, well. if you go to the NEC, mm-hmm. you'll never see them. Right. But, right. For example, this year we've got the D and D Open, first uh-huh. time, first time in twenty years, mm-hmm. it's being held in the oh. UK. So there's a hundred and fifty player game right there that works for eight hours. Yeah. We've got a brand new okay. worldwide premiere of an epic, which is on the Friday because mm-hmm. we can't hold them on the same day because people just burn out. Mm. Um, yeah, and then we do some I mean, special events like Cthulhu Masters, uh, mm-hmm. Onyx Path is submitting a couple of new games now, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a lot larger than it was. Um, mm-hmm. At the moment, I think we are actually, I don't know the numbers of some of the other smaller conventions, but some of the more dedicated RPG conventions hold comparable numbers, mm-hmm. but as far mm-hmm. as I'm aware, we're the largest one. I think uh, it's you and Origins kind of vie for the number three position. UK Games Expo and, yes. and they usually yes. leapfrog each time each time so it's UK Games Expo <laughs> then Orange and Origins then each time you're going up but it does seem like yes. all the conventions are doing that like growing quite rapidly mm. right now yes I, I think mm. it's more a, a thing that people have started realising that you can go to these things yeah. and it's not mm. it's not just about nerds more importantly it's okay to be there yeah, yeah. whereas back, back in the 1980s you were no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, the ho- and let's face it, the '90s as well. The hobbies, yeah. the hobbies are a lot more mainstream now, though, isn't it? That's, that's yeah. partly mm. partly that. And also, yes. it's glorious. And also, there's so many more people to play with. And, and also, there's yeah. better ambassadors for the hobby when you've got all the you know critical role types and yeah. all the Joe Manganellios and all those sort of types. Sort mm. of, yeah, as, as, as sort of ambassadors. Mm. I'm um, doing Games Expo for the first time as an exhibitor this year. All right. So that's going to be interesting because I've never ever been an exhibitor at a convention before. I've always been a punter, so okay. uh, that that is going to be really interesting. Just seeing it from that point of view, 
I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really know what to expect, to be honest, never having done it. I imagine it's a lot of hard work and long days, so I guess. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, you put it from the... You know, so you'll be arriving on Thursday, mm. um, setting up on Thursday to open on Friday. And mm. you can expect, certainly at Expo, certainly at Dragon Mate for that matter, um, it's, it's full on from the point at which you arrive to the point at which the doors close. Yeah. You've, you've got your hour, hour and a half to restock... Mm-hmm. And then you back out. You back in the following morning, restocking from the morning period. Yeah, and mm-hmm. the the flow is nonstop. Mm-hmm. And the, the the thing with Expo is that there's always someone walking past the stall. Mm-hmm. So you're always on the stall. You're always active. You're always up. And mm-hmm. by the end of the show, you're exhausted. It does sound exhausting, quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, yeah. I'm not sure whether I'm looking forward to it or not, to be honest. A- well, oh, you'll love it. It'll be the great opportunity to talk about what's old to know to loads of new people. I suppose so, yeah. yes. Yes, it will be that. Yeah. It will be that. Yeah. Um, uh, and listeners, do feel free to come along to, if you're at UK Games Expo, and uh, tell us how much you appreciate the show. Yeah. 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 Um, open invite please do come well, you're, you're coming to UK Games Expo yeah. this year as well aren't you yeah, yeah. yes I am um, it's going to be my first time to UK Games Expo so Excellent. It, do, it does sound like I'm going to be splitting my time between the um, Ian World Publishing Stand and the uh, Novotel <laughs> it is, it is <laughs> Games Expo is, is fun it's very big though I mean especially especially yeah, last yeah. year when they, big. the okay. exhibitor hall was two big halls and Ooh. yeah it yep. was, it's, uh, it, it start, it's starting to look a bit like you know Gen Con or something like that Hmm. Mm. Just VGA. Well, we're we're not there yet. Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting there, but um, I don't think I don't think we're ever going to get to those numbers because we are in England. Mm. And as much as we can, we're, we're doing well. You've got so many more people in America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. At some point in time, I'd like to say, "Yep, absolutely, that's us, number one." Happy days. Not yet. Yeah. Although, although having said that, we do have a higher population density. Because I've noticed online a lot of Americans find it quite hard to find games. Because hmm. if they want to meet up with someone, they have to drive like two hours. Hmm. Drive two hours to get to a game. It's like, but I don't wish to go to an entirely different city to play role-playing <laughs> games. I complain quite enough when I have to drive to a different part of my own hometown. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, it sounds, sounds really good. Um, Do, is, is, yeah. is there any sort of... Uh, because the expo is growing so much, is, it, is there any chance it's going to sort of start to outgrow... Hilton. Uh, the Hilton it already outgrew, did that four years ago. Um, we're oh. in NEC halls one, two, and again, I can't confirm, but quite possibly three. Yeah. So okay. put That's that in, put that in perspective. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I don't, put, you, putting you, that in perspective, the Hilton is, I don't know, a quarter of NEC one by the time you've got it. Yeah. I mean, you do have to make sure yeah. you get your rooms sorted early, don't you? Because, uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so these NEC halls, as I remember, and this is going back a while to when I was doing Golden Demons and Games Days with Games Workshop, but you could you could hold like a decent game of football in there. Oh yeah, they're big. They're big. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, well, so it's like basically three football pitch sized rooms. Yeah. That um, are going to be absolutely cram packed full of people playing games, selling games. Yeah. The way I've always loved looking at it is that when you do you remember the TV show Gladiators? Mm. Yes. Right. That was NEC Hall One. Oh, okay. Pretty, pretty large. So they put, <laughs> they put all that in hall one, and they had space to spare. Mm. And now we've got nothing but games in it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. In fact, if you look on the website, there is several shots, not from last year, but from the year previous, where we've got a double-decker bus in the middle of the hall. <laughs> because Wotan Games bring the games bus. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a double-decker bus, and it looks like a Tonka toy. <laughs> okay. It, right, it's yeah. it's it's brilliant when you watch it, yeah. but it's 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 just staggering. You just sit there going, really? 
Yeah. That's a double yeah. No, I can't be a double decker bus. <laughs> It does get. Yeah. It does get very, yeah. very crowded. Those um, exhibitor halls. There's so yeah. many people in there. Get, they get quite warm as well. I've noticed. Yep, that's mm. the one. But we yeah. do have refreshment stations available. Yeah. And we make sure everyone's got all the things they need. And yep. I think that's that's the other thing about it is that obviously we've we've done conventions ourselves. Yeah. And so we know what we don't like about conventions. We know what we do like about conventions. Mm. And when people say we're not sure about something, we, we'd rather have something like this. We'd rather do this. Mm-hmm. We listen. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and that more than anything. I I think and um, I I I do not have the best memory in the world. I'll be perfectly honest. Okay. I think there was like a deal where you could, if you went around and bought games, you could then like have sort of a locker place where you could put it. Oh, and the, then pick them up at the end of the day. The shop and drop. Yep. That's, that's yeah, available. Yep, we've got a shop and drop. It, it's been implemented in a number of conventions since. Um, basically, you, you, I think it's about a quid, two quid or something somewhere. Mm. Um, and basically, you, you put your bag in there, and you've seen some of the bags that some of the people carry. Mm. That's a hell of a weight off. Mm. And you literally yeah. you leave your bag there, come back at the end of the day, pick it up, off you go. Mm. And we've had to expand that year on year because it mm. always fills up. Yeah. Usually, <laughs> usually in the first quarter of the day. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. Mm. <laughs> so get in, do your shopping, and then t- drop it to the shop and drop, and then just play games. Then go play games. Like, mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. So over, over the years, what would you say some of the biggest challenges that you've had, sort of the, the sort of big difficulties that uh, arise when you're trying to run a game convention? Big difficulties in general. Um, several things. Um, people, I, I don't are you familiar with the games convention Essen? Yes. Yeah. I haven't yes. been to right, it, okay. I know of it. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, the thing that we look at is that I've been to Essen once, mm. uh-huh. and there was nowhere to play a game, nowhere to do much else. Oh, yeah. You, oh. you, you went in, you bought your things, you left. That's what you did. Oh, okay. Well, and for me, that's not that's what a convention is. Mm. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to do that. So you've got to have the space available for people to play games. Mm. Problem. Because it's free space for them. Yeah. It's yes. not free space for you. Yes, yeah. You yeah. have to pay for it. Yeah. You've got to have the, the number of games available. Obviously, the RPGs grew from 2008 when I first came on board. Uh, there was my team, and that was four of us. So we ran about eight games. Mm. Okay. This year's schedule already is about 350. There's probably going to be another 150 by the time we're done. Mm. And you've got mm. to build the interest in, but you've also got to make sure yeah. you've got the right games for people. Mm. So mm-hmm. it it can't all be Call of Cthulhu. It can't all be D and D Fifth Ed, because as mm-hmm. popular as those are, they're not going to be the ones exactly. And yeah. and you oh. need that that variation. But then you also need the things where you listen every year. People say, mm-hmm. "I can't get food quickly." Mm-hmm. That happens all the time. The bar yeah. the bar ran out, and and then the challenge is bringing things that people actually want to go to. Because for oh. me, the rule of conventions has always been. Can you do it at home? Mm. If you can do it at home, why are you going to go to a convention? Mm. Yeah, good point, good point. Make something interesting. Make something you can't do at home. Make it good. Mm. And then every year, make it better. Yeah. And, yeah. and that sounds vague, but that, that is what it is. Yeah, yeah, sure. You have to, every year, you have to improve. You have to go on. You can't stand still. Mm. No, no okay. you can You can never stand still. You're always no. looking at the next bit, the next show... Expo planning starts about three minutes after we've finished. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely, yeah. I mean, I imagine that's a lot more of a challenge yeah. to organise than Dragon Meat is, just from a, a scale point of yeah. view, mm. isn't it? Dragon Meat pretty much gets organised between me and Chris. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And given that we're, well, we were 2,500 people last year, mm. 
um, okay. which from when we took it over, which was about eight hundred people. Mm. But we're twenty five hundred people this year, and we're expecting probably three thousand this year. Mm. Mm. And Expo went well. The last year at the Clarendon Suites, I, I think we were somewhere near four or five, four or five thousand. Mm. So moving to the Hilton was a big challenge, and the thought was, are we going to fill the Hilton? And then we went to the Hilton, and it packed out completely. Yeah. And we had to move that's suddenly hard. and go, actually, we need the NEC. Yeah. And, of course, right. Richard and Tony, that, that's their challenge constantly. With Dragon Me, we're going to get to a stage where we overrun the Novotel, mm -hmm. and that's probably going to happen in the next year, two at most. Yeah. And then we're moving to Olympia. Oh. Or Excel. Yeah. Yep. Right. I guess it's a good problem to have. It, it, is, it is, but the, yeah, the but planning in advance. As well. Oh yes. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Always the risk. But if you don't, yep. if you don't keep moving forward, the convention stagnates. So do you, do you get to enjoy conventions as a punter ever these days, or are you just too busy working on them and helping out with them or all the different things you do? I haven't been to a convention as a punter. Uh -huh. mm, let's have a think. No, tell a lie. There we go. Um, I went to the Robin Convention, mm. which is a war game show in Nottingham. That was about three, four weeks ago. Ah, there we go. Um, oh. But oh, that is the first fun. convention I've been to as a punter in yeah. 12 years. Wow. Oh, wow. So, um, so you, you go and you, you see the conventions mm. and you listen mm. to people and you enjoy the conventions. Yes. And it's, it's a case of getting time out every once in a while and you rely on talking to all the people you know. Mm. So that they can tell you what is working, what isn't working, mm. because you're not a punter. Whatever else no. I am, if I, if I go to UK Games Expo in my current role, here we go. This is one thing that'll really get them. All things considered, I can walk into the bring and buy. I don't have an hour waiting in the queue. I'm I'm the operations team. Sure, I never yeah. go in there. I never go in there for anything else. But I literally pass the queue, so I don't understand the frustration. Sure, yeah, yeah. Of the people waiting an hour to get in, because I go in there, do what I have to do, get back out. And then again, yeah, yeah. Everyone else may have to wait an hour to get in. When you're looking at live shows mm. in some events, you look at other things, waiting for tournaments, waiting for everything else, waiting for games to start. I don't have that frustration, because I'm constantly working. Sure, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. Up, I'm up at six in the morning, I'm usually working till 11.30 at night. Mm. I'm back the next morning. Yeah. You know. Wow. And yeah, but you rely on people being honest with you, mm. and yeah, and saying yeah. you know seriously if something's wrong, tell us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're tell not us. Psychic. You can't be expected to read people's minds. Exactly. But yeah. we also want yeah. the honest feedback. If someone says reduce the beer prices, we're like, yep, yeah, nice idea, but no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Free, yeah. free, we, free beer for yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It, it is beyond our control. Yeah, yeah. Double the yeah. open gaming space. It, it's open gaming. It's free. So, yes, it is. Not for us. Mm. Yeah. And so you, oh, yeah. you'll always get moon on the stick ideas, but it's listening to what mm. people want and then reasonably making something of it mm. that yeah. makes the difference. So, I assume mm. you enjoy it, though. I mean, it sounds like it's a challenge and it's a lot of work, but it also sounds like... Every time? Yeah. It's, it, well, the best, yeah. the best thing in the world is at the end of the day. Yeah. And the end of the convention. And everyone's leaving. Yep. And everyone's smiling. Yeah, yeah. Ah, that's There good. is no better thing. Mm. Except, that because, you, except that you know mm. it's over for another year. There's the thing. But the, thing beyond, the real thing about it is that, as I say, from the 80s and the 90s, mm. there was nowhere for us to go. And now we it's its taken us months and months of planning. It's taken us hard work. It's taken us organization. But we've done it. Mm. Yeah. And 3,000 people have come in and had a good time. 35,000 people have had a good time. Mm. And they're all us. Yeah. So, so John, you, obviously, you've run, like, a huge range of conventions because um, 
UK Games Expo, top end of scale, Dragon Meat mid scale. You were mentioning also Longcon, the 48 hour gaming one. Yep. I'm, I'm think, mm. I imagine that's probably a bit, uh, a lot fewer people. <laughs> between, <laughs> between 40 and 70 people. Mm. Oh, okay, so a small-scale one, but yep. over two days. Yep. Whereabouts in the country is that? Uh, that's at the Sheffield. Um, it's up at a place Ooh. called the Garrison Hotel. There's a number of conventions there. Um, basically, it's the Garrison Hub. The, the pub in question mm. has an upstairs room, a downstairs set of rooms. They're friendly. They know all about people. Um, they know about gamers. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's always finding a venue where they're like, oh, yes, yes, and the we bar, know how gamers work. Precisely. The bar does not <laughs> run out. The food is prompt. <laughs> Job done. And it's brilliant. So you, you have conventions yeah. like Seven Hills, um, Furnace, Shake On. Mm. You, you have all these different yeah. conventions there across the year. Mm. And mm. It's, a re- it's a really good venue. It's a comfortable area. It's nice. It's not massively overpriced like a number of hotels. Mm. It's just nice. Oh. And, yeah, and when abouts does it run, Longcon? Um, I'm about to announce that one, actually. It's it's coming in oh. at um, uh, June, sorry, uh, June, July uh, this year, uh, the second weekend, and we're going to be taking bookings for that one shortly. Everything else, obviously, Ooh. organizing Aircon, coming off the back of that one, negotiating for Dragon Meat, mm. we, we just haven't moved as fast as we wanted to. Mm. And that, that, of course, is the other problem. You've got to, running, mm. running three you know, yeah. larger conventions, it's, yeah, it, it eats your time. Looking on the other end of the scale, coming up 23rd, 22nd to 24th of March is StabCon South, which is the yep. largest board game convention uh, on the south coast of England. That's actually in Southampton as well. Is that next yep. week? Um, next week, isn't it? Or the week after? It's not this weekend. Right, it's the yeah. weekend yeah. after. Yeah, yeah. And I'm from the Southampton Guild role players, and the guys running it have asked us to provide the role-playing strand. It's yep. going to be nowhere near as big as you. It's like... One room, That's three right. tables of games. Yep. But I mean, um, but one of the things we'd like to do in Southampton mm-hmm. is build up to our own role-playing game convention. I mean, okay. do you have any advice to somebody just starting off? The, the thing is behind it is that we're a community. So yeah. even if I'm not working the con, you, mm-hmm. you need people for your convention. Tell me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you tell me. I put the word out. Mm-hmm. Everyone who's in that vicinity can volunteer for that. The idea oh. behind it being is that when, when you're offering your time for these sort of things, what you... Mm-hmm. Equally, they're giving something to you, so you normally have to give something back. Mm. Usually, free entrance will cover it, 99 times out of 100. Obviously, things like the Expo Rewards package, far larger, you get your accommodation if you run a certain number of games. But it's a community. So you get people like Simon Burley, for example. Um, Simon ran, uh, he made Golden Heroes a number of years ago. He now runs the convention circuit, and he he works relentlessly. He goes to every convention. Wow. Yeah, and he loves organising yeah. things. He loves running games, and there are people like him up and down the country. And mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, all it takes is someone to say, "Actually, there's a convention here. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go to it? Mm-hmm. Would you be happy running games for it?" People mm-hmm. will turn up yeah. because yeah. everyone wants to support this because it's the hobby that we all love. And most of us, we well, let's put it this way: to you, you um, yeah, you don't get paid that much. <laughs> yeah, so you, you're not that. you're not doing it for the pay. You're doing it because you love what you're doing and. Most GMs that I know will happily turn up, run all day long, not worry about the fact that they've done that, mm. smile and call for more. And you know, it's because they love doing it. There's a lot of there's a lot of GMs on the convention circuit. But it's then making sure you've got the right rooms for the event, because as you know, if you're playing an RPG, if you're in a room with twenty other tables That's not feasible. That's nope. far too noisy. It's far too no. noisy. So you have rooms where you try and limit it to five people, six people most. Yeah. And that's say six people, six tables, but, you know, 
So you've got the quiet, you've got the atmosphere. So you can play Call of Cthulhu yeah. without being deafened by everybody else. Mm. You can yeah, generate yeah. the atmosphere you need. You can make a memorable game. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And and that's the thing. So I mean, all mm. credit to the people who can run things like the D and D Open, where it's it's 150 players in the same room without doing what they do in Gen Con and putting speakers in the middle of the table. Which, ooh. okay, yeah, that was yeah, uh, wow, yeah, that was an eye opener. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not the hair dryer moment, was it? Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> yeah, um, but okay. yeah, I mean that, that sort of thing. Where if you if you engage the community, you'll do just fine. Okay. It's if you if you don't engage the community, well, you're kind of struggle, aren't you? Yeah. They, 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 yeah, they won't engage back. I guess the other side of that is also bringing in exhibitors and uh, you know different companies to sell their wares and stuff like that, which is probably an entirely yes. different sort of skill set that you need. It's, oh. It is in some ways. Um, the, the way to look at that one as well is that if, you, if you're starting at a grassroots level, if you're starting with a smaller convention, mm. you won't get many traders. No, no. You, you will get some, you'll get the local traders, you'll get a couple of other people. But what you will get, if you've made a good convention, is the word of mouth. Mm. And the way, mm. the way Expo builds, the way Dragon Meat, Aircon builds, is that for every person who came, went back and went, I had an awesome time. Mm. Oh. You'll get five people on the internet looking at it going, I wish I had been there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, and all you that- need is those moments where people go, I wish I had been there. Mm. Oh. Those people come for one day the next year. When they've been yep. once, they come for three days the next year. And okay. it takes time. There's one thing I did want to mention, and that was... And it's, it's a bit of a tricky subject, this one, but harassment policies. Yes. Because mm. I know that quite a few US conventions have had problems related to sort of harassment taking place at their conventions. And yes. um, they, yeah. they've had some quite negative fallout because of that. I don't want to sort of like go into details, yeah. but um, some of them have. Um, have you got any sort of thoughts on how... How how a convention should approach the, the the topic of harassment and harassment policies and um you're right that is a controversial subject the thoughts that I have and bear in mind I can only speak from Dragon Meat from an official point of view at that point sure I was, I was thinking but, more genuinely rather yeah. than about a specific more generally um yeah the, the thought behind it being is there should these should be safe areas for people to be in yeah yeah, yeah. and course, you yeah. you don't do that with a harassment policy a harassment policy will not stop people from being idiots. Yeah. What matters is that when something happens, you do something about it. Mm. Yeah? It, it, okay, it, yeah? It's not lip service. You, you can't just say to people, well, we hope you have a good time. Here's the harassment policy. Please let us know if something goes wrong. Oh, and if something does go wrong, you then don't do anything with it. Mm. You can't do that. You've got to take at... I cannot speak of specifics, but every mm-hmm. event that's ever been reported at any convention I do has been mm-hmm. investigated thoroughly. Mm has been reported back to the people who made the complaint, whether or not they were the people who were actually involved in it in the first instance. Mm. Because sometimes Uh people make complaints regarding other people. Sometimes people complain on behalf of other people. What matters is that it's investigated. It is Uh clear that you've looked into it. You've made sure you've got all the details before you've gone back. You make a resolution on it, and you hold to that. Yeah, mm. words on paper will change nothing. Sure. What matters is the attitude. We have briefings for the volunteers at at Dragon Meet at Expo, and those briefings include what to do in case someone has an issue of any sort. So we have a chain of command. We have independent arbiters. We take that seriously because it's us. Yeah. And if I complained about something, I would expect that someone took it seriously. Sure. I would expect oh, they came yeah. back to me and told me what they'd resolved. And I would expect that they'd investigated every part of it. Mm. 
Now, you know, that, that, that for me is the key. It, it matters. You build it from a ground level, as with all things. You start with the staff. Yeah. So the people who come in and volunteer their time, they know what you stand for. And that goes all the way to the top. Mm. Yeah. And it has to be led from the people at the top. They have to care every bit as much as everybody else, because then you can see that it goes through all the way. Mm. And there's that understanding that whatever level you talk, we're, yep. we're there. We're there. We're right with you. That's what we're there for. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're doing this so you have a good time. Yeah? This, mm. this, this isn't, not to put too fine a point on it, conventions are hard work. Yes. We're not doing this because we're having fun, because we ain't having fun. Mm. We're doing this because we're making it a good space for everyone else. We're making it somewhere where you can play games, where new people can come in and play games mm. and know that it's a good thing. So if someone's there to mess that up, no. No, yeah. we, we, we don't stand for that. Mm. No, com no, com no convention ever mm. stands for that. And if it does, mm. it should be brought to help. It should be held accountable. Yeah. One thing, one thing I have mm. noticed, both at Dragon Me and UK Games Expo, and uh, basically every convention I've been to, to be honest, not just those, but um, is there's an awful lot more women at them these days and i oh, seem yeah. to remember from 20 years ago which yes. is a wonderful wonderful thing to see um is, is yes. that, is that yep. something that sort of borne out by your observation yeah without a doubt expo is now easily more than 50 percent women and children whereas as 25 30 years ago it was 95 percent men. yeah exactly yeah yeah um and it, it's because there's more acceptance of the hobby people are understanding you can yeah. do this it's not just a boys club everyone can come and enjoy these things yeah yeah yeah, there's no restrictions to it. Everyone can enjoy yeah, this. Yeah. It's definitely something that's really, really noticeable in the hobby, I think. It's just, it's just becoming yeah. more inclusive. It's becoming a much broader, more mainstream hobby. Yes. Get gamings for everyone. Yeah. What can yeah. you say? Mm. Yeah. John, thank you so much for being on the show. That's oh, really, really, really yeah, appreciate it's been, it. It has been my genuine pleasure. Thank you so much to everybody for listening, as always. It's going to be goodbye from me, Russ. And it's goodbye from me, Peter Coffey, Southampton Golden Role Players. And it's goodbye from them as well. Goodbye, then. Thank you so much, everybody. <laughs> Till next week. Bye-bye. Well, I imagine you were as disappointed as I was with that podcast. I will have them tortured, as usual. I think I'm going to put Russ in a small box in the basement, while Peter will be hung from the ramparts.